going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. We got a really special guest, Craig Filick. He is a rock star, flow hacker, and the creator of Purpose Mapping. Welcome to the show, man. Great to be here. Thanks for coming. Yeah, so you're actually my swim buddy for this this process, and that's that's really how we we met. We're doing some stuff with the uh, Flow Genome Project with uh, Jamie Wheel, and we're having a good time, right? Definitely. Yeah, super fun. So yeah, for you know, thanks for being on the show. For everybody out there that hasn't you know heard of you yet, why don't you give them a little background? You know how you got to where you are today. <laughs> where to start? <laughs> so how did I get to where I am today? Well. Where I am today here in California was uh, kind of an interesting story. I actually traveled after college. I went on Grateful Dead tour and I met a woman and we had a child a couple years later, but was not planning on uh, living in the east of America. I was planning on living in the west and I drove out to pick her up 19 summers ago Mm. and we got pregnant and I decided, being adopted, I decided, you know, I'm going to stick around. I'm going to make this work. And it was, it was painful for me. It was, it was not really the place for me to grow and thrive. I felt like a dandelion in the uh, cracks in the concrete. And so when my daughter graduated high school, I picked her up and uh, we drove out west and did the road trip I was planning to do with her mother 19 summers ago. And wow. so I've been driving up and down the coast all summer just trying to find just the right place. And I landed in the North Bay. And so that's how I got to where I am physically right. and was just down here for the trans tech conference and you and I were chatting and it's like, cool, lined up. So here we are. But as far as, you know, what I do uh, with purpose mapping, you know, that was a, uh, that was part of the process for me, you know, again, being adopted, I really didn't know who am I, why am I here? And I got into entrepreneurship because you know, I had a philosophy degree. I had no intention of getting a job per se. I figured I would just travel around and, you know, be a digital nomad as they say now but you know i don't think laptops are even a thing hmm. back then right kind of you know had to figure out how that was going to be and uh, and so i spent a lot of time alone in my room after you know spending all day trying to figure out how to create a business with my partner and i would come home and i would uh, listen to stephen covey this was back when napster was still big right so i yeah. could download hours and hours of torrents of robert kiyosaki and tony robbins and stephen covey and all these guys and they were all saying the same thing if you have a you know big enough why, you can overcome any how. You know you know your purpose and you know your mission, and they were just they were all talking about that. And so I think, okay, well I got to figure out what that is because if I want to be successful, if I want to get back on the road, you know, and have income streams and all this stuff and passive income, you know, that was like the big thing. And right. I was going at it so hard trying to get back on the road. I mean, that was my thing because that's where I found my flow state. You mm-hmm. know, it was that summer on Grateful Dead tour and it was like, okay, how do I get back to there? It was so compelling for me. I was willing to, you know, I mean, I had no social life. Couldn't date to save my life at that point anyways, but it was kind of right. worked out. So I spent hours and hours and hours studying this stuff and then I got into personality stuff. So Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, I would spend every Saturday night, it was my free night, and I would just go into Barnes & Nobles and devour the self-help and psychology and you know, metaphysical sections. Nice. Really write, you know, writing it all out. And I got into uh, a guy named Ken Wilber. This is actually how I met Jamie years mm-hmm. ago. 
and he had come up with this integral philosophy. I don't know if you guys are familiar. No. no. Okay. So he's worth checking out. My favorite book is called Theory of Everything, and it's probably tw- I don't know, 30 years old now at this point, but I still think it's the best introduction to the integral operating system. So I'm not going to get too deep into what that is, but it's basically, you know, Wilbur looked at everything in the world and the history of civilization and shook it all out, and he said, well, there's five models that you need in order to have a complete picture of reality. Mm-hmm. And so I, I devoured that, and I started looking into all this personality stuff and realizing, okay, what he's doing is called integral critical theory. So he's looking at the triangulation of where all this stuff overlaps to see, okay, what is it all seeing in common? So again, all of these business mentor types were saying you need a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. So then I start looking at all this personality stuff, and it's giving me very specific details about how I'm wired and what my unique purpose is. And after a while, a couple of years of writing all this stuff out, like, you know, I was um, grabbing so much information so quickly that it started to constellate in my mind. You know, a lot of people, they'll do their Myers-Briggs maybe as part of a work thing. And they're right. like, oh, that was interesting. And then years go by, right? Mm-hmm. It was, for me, it was every weekend for years. I'm looking at all these things and they're all pointing at, here is where to dig to find your purpose. And the, way I, the reason I phrase it that way is because, you know, a book is a map, but the map is not the territory. So you still, you know, X marks the spot, but you still have to get there and get your shovel out and dig and see, okay, what is the actual treasure here? So that was the experience I was looking for. And I just kept iterating on that over the next, you know, 10, 15 years. And I eventually did build a million dollar business and, you know, used it with my team and, and then realized I had achieved everything that I was writing in my journals in my 20s, you know, about this is what I want, every, you know, all the things you got to write down your vision and write down your list of everything you want. And I realized I had achieved that. And I was fucking miserable. Mm, and, wow. and so I left where I was in Boulder and, and the business and the relationship and the whole thing. And I just, you know, I just went and I just wanted to compost. And, uh, and I was going through this huge stack of journals. And I was with a, a woman that I was uh, seeing at the time and she had a little cabin just north of the border of Vermont. So she was from Montreal. And, mm-hmm. and so we're in her cabin. It's January, and I don't ski or any of that, right? So, <laughs> so I'm sitting there with this stack of journals, and I'm just going through the last 10, 12 years of my life and all of these notes that I had taken, trying to figure out, you know, how did I land myself here? And I thought I did everything right. You know, mm-hmm. I thought I had done all the right things, checked off all the checkboxes. Why was I miserable? And what I realized was that there was a structure, there was a framework in those journals. So I'd go through and I'd rip out the pages and burn the stuff. And I, sto- you know, I saved a, a couple of inches thick stack of this, you know, a couple feet tall stack of journals. And these pages were the clues. This is, this is the stuff that worked. And I, and, you know, this woman was very chatty and, you know, extroverted and I'm introverted. I'm just trying to like die inside, right? Mm-hmm. She's blah, 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 mm-hmm. about stuff I didn't want to talk about. So I grabbed a book and I said, here, take this and go read it and come back in a couple hours. And I was basically feeding her what became purpose mapping. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. And so, and she'd come back, oh, I love this Enneagram book. This is amazing. I'm like, okay, great. Cool. What'd you learn? Right. And mm-hmm. she'd jot some notes down. And I basically walked her through this process and I was in the bathroom and I look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, I love this this is a yes for me you know everything in my life was a no for like nine months i was just saying no to everything to find my yes again and this was a yes so she said oh let's you know put on some workshops and she filled these workshops and i this is great i'll do this so that's how i ended up doing purpose mapping as a as a full-time you know professional this is my gig wow that's a crazy story (laughs) (laughs) 
freaking do, hustle. Do you think that all along the way you were giving yourself clues on how to get there? It sounds like you were, but they were just hidden in many feet of uh, feet of books. Exactly. Yeah, I think that you know the whole the whole journey for me has been a has been a treasure map. You know, trying to figure out how do I get back to that flow state experience. You know, mm-hmm. that self actualized, self transcending experience of ah. Oh, this is who I am. This is why I'm here. I don't have any questions about it. You know, I'm fully present. I mean, this is the flow state definition, right? I'm fully present. What is it? Uh, stir selflessness, timelessness, effortlessness, and richness. You know, mm-hmm. you have that where the inner critic shuts up and I'm just right here with what I'm doing. I know exactly what the next step to take is, right? I'm not stuck in my head. I'm just present and embodied. How do I get back to that? And, you know, have health insurance for my daughter. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Pretty important. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so that was it. And, yeah, it became, uh, you know, this, that framework was what I then used. You know, I stripped out all the content of what I had, you know, thought I wanted my life to be. And then used the framework again to recreate my life. I was like, okay, if it worked the first time, I can probably do it again, do it much quicker. Right. And just keep it really succinct. And then that became the basis of, you know, what purpose mapping is now. That's great. Yeah. I, I'm interested to hear, you know, what are what are you kind of experiencing in these flow states and also what's going on with the Flow Genome Project? You know, how'd you all meet and what does that project mean to you? Right. So so Jamie and I met, oh God, about 15 years ago as part of this integral, you know, cohort, particularly focused around education, because I think education is the lever that can move the world, right? Yep. If we mm-hmm. can raise children and, and, you know, train ourselves. And so over the years, you know, he, he you know, went from, uh, he had a Montessori school, which, you know, I'm a huge advocate mm-hmm. of that. I brought right. my daughter all the way through sixth grade with that. And I mm-hmm. think it's made all the difference. If you guys don't know about Montessori, definitely, definitely check her out. And yep. so, so, you know, got into, I think for me, it was internet marketing and he was doing some consulting stuff and, and came back together and he said, you know, I want to do this. So this is, you know, this is the vision for the Flow Genome Project and, and how we get this going. And, you know, I gave him a couple of pointers in the right direction with the internet marketing stuff, but he just took off with it. And I think, mm. you know, partnering with Steven and, and The Rise of Superman was really the first book they did together. Yep. Right. And then Stealing Fire. Right. And that just went, you know, things just went, um, you know, I, I, I often do this with my clients. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> yeah. Bitcoin. You know, it's like eight bucks, eight bucks, eight bucks, eight thousand. Right. right. Yep, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that, that kind of describes, you know, what happens if we're doing the right things consistently in our lives, you know, over time, it starts to go exponential. And so, I, you know, sitting back and it's breathtaking to watch how that's happened for Jamie and, you know, being, I think, what I felt very much stuck in Rochester was a bit of an albatross around my neck. And now that I'm free, that's why I signed up for the advanced flow training, just to kind of get back in resonance with him. And that's how you and I met. Yep. And and so what it's all about is, you know, how do we prime those flow states, right? And for me, it's music and driving. And so driving oh, wow. up and down the coast all <laughs> summer, it's just been, you know, a, a, you know, pretty epic experience of just soaking my brain in those flow neurochemicals, which are dopamine, um, endorphins, norepinephrine, I think anandamide, which is an endocannabinoid, mm-hmm. right? It's like sort of like the best brainstorming session you've ever had. Yep, and right. serotonin, oxytocin, right? And so those experiences are, are what we're after. And if we're not getting those endogenously, right, because the brain will produce all this stuff. If we're not getting it, we'll seek out the toxic mimic. So if we're not getting enough norepinephrine, we'll go to coffee. If we're not getting enough dopamine, we'll look for sugar or cocaine. 
weed. Endorphins, right? There's a huge opioid crisis right. in America right yeah. now, yeah. right? MDMA is the oxytocin mimic and then LSD for serotonin. And so that's kind of, you know, those are the sort of the extrinsic options if we're not producing enough endogenously. And so, you know, I've certainly had my, my years of, you know, pulling on those uh, substances to, to try to approximate and, and certainly have lit it up. But as I learned from Jamie yesterday, and this is what I'm getting from the course, is, you know, the brakes, like this stuff works. Okay, cool. But, you know, how do you apply the brakes? And that's the biggest thing that I'm learning from him right, right now is mm. like, oh, right, you can actually attenuate this a bit and find a durable sort of sustainable you know, rhythm to creating these experiences. Right. That's super cool. Uh, th- the thing that it kind of reminds me of, you ever seen the, the movie Limitless? Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert for those who have not seen it yet. Go check it out if you haven't. But, uh, you know, he's taking this pill, and the whole time it's, like, killing him. Mm-hmm. But he's having, like, this super power, like, this super human ability to, like, think and, and, and react, and he's, like, super aware and present. But it's killing him, like, slowly. But then in the end... He no longer needs the pill. Like, he figures out how to, like, produce all those effects, like, himself. And I think that's what flow and, and flow training is trying to do, is trying to get all the things, like, that you could get from these, you know, altered state, like, technologies, but you can do it on your own. And I think that's right. such a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's getting access to, first of all, realizing, okay, my brain will produce this stuff, right? I think, actually, the first thing is, is, like, whoa, I can have these experiences, Right, right, like right. however we get to them, it's like it's possible. Then the next thing is, is right, my brain can actually do this. Like that's why I'm seeking this is because, you know, to me, flow and purpose are almost synonymous. You know, mm. if you read Mihai Csikszentmihalyi's work and, and even some of Maslow, you know, I think there's a direct quote from Mihai Csikszentmihalyi uh, who is considered, you know, the granddaddy of flow. There's yep. people going back much further that were also researching this stuff, but he really coined the term, mm. which he got from you know, studying people and they just kept using this word. They're like, yeah, it's like, it's like everything's just flowing, Mm -hmm. right? They kept saying it. And so there's a quote that I used uh, years ago in one of my presentations. He said something like, flow is the only meaningful answer to the question, you know, what is the meaning of life, right? And again, it's that experience that it's not a concept. What is the meaning of life? It cannot be answered conceptually. It will never satisfy. But when we're in that moment of, oh, fully present this is who i am this is why i'm here right this is why i was born right the reason i exist that's the definition of purpose mm-hmm. and so to me they're they're fairly synonymous but they're you know as jamie said on the last office hours that you know kind of sort of different ways of arriving at the same point mm-hmm. you know, what's interesting is like this is evident across species as well so i used to have dogs and one of the best ways to get dogs to come down off of anxiety is to work them Mm -hmm. so when you take them for a walk you give them a little bit of weight on their back and all of a sudden they're happy again Mm -hmm. they're happy because they have a job they're like okay this is what i'm here to do i'm here to carry these weights with you know you know my best friend in the world chris and we're going to walk down (laughs) this road and we're going to get to wherever we're going and then we're going to go home and i I think that's awesome one thing that you bring up all the time is is the hero's journey Mm -hmm. and i think Everything from writing for sitcoms to, you know, developing movies in, includes some variation of the hero's journey. How has it been impactful for your life? So my godfather uh, is a professor and back in Chicago, and he used to toast every holiday meal with follow your bliss, right, Joseph Campbell. 
And so that mythopoetic thread has sort of always been there for me. And he was the one that turned me on to the Enneagram and, you know, a bunch of a bunch of the things that I have now incorporated. So so the hero's journey has always been fairly present for me as uh, an awareness of, you know, again, a map, right? But the experience itself, Joseph Campbell says, I think a good life is one hero's journey after another. And, you know, my life has been, if nothing else, a series of, you know, Phoenix just flaming out and rising from the ashes over right. and over, <laughs> and over, which I think is, I think is actually, I mean, for me, and I think, you know, in, in this day and age is a really healthy thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the ability to reinvent ourselves, the ability to actively, consciously disrupt ourselves and to say, okay, you know, what's working and what's the dead wood that I can cut out and then what's the new shoot that's growing up and to just continually go through that process. So the hero's journey is that process of, okay, I'm in the ordinary world, right? And, and it is. It's the basis of almost all the great movies we right. think of, right? So yep. Star Wars, The Matrix, The Wizard of Oz, Harry Potter. You know, the, Harry Potter starts out in the closet under the stairs, right? Mm-hmm. It's just mundane, right. doesn't know he's a wizard, doesn't know what's possible for his life. You know, Luke Skywalker starts out in a hole in the desert, literally, right? Yeah. Doesn't know anything <laughs> about the Force or Jedis or any right. of this stuff, yeah. right? But we all have, uh, you know, this, I think there's like this genetic potential, particularly as men. You know, men's work is another big thing that I've mm-hmm. been involved in for 25 years. But, you know, there's this yearning that's like, what's my mission? What's, what, what's, what's the adventure that's calling me? And so, you know, we're kind of putzing away in our ordinary world, and then all of a sudden there's a call to adventure. And depending on what we have going on in our lives, it's like, well, that's too risky. No, that's too scary, right? And then we kind of come back into our comfort zone. But as we know from uh, the brain research that's talked about in The Rise of Superman, the flow state happens just 4% beyond our comfort zone, right? 4% beyond what we believe we're capable of. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's the call to adventure, then there's the refusal of the call, and then there's, you know, the meeting the mentor and crossing the threshold, which in uh, Star Wars is, you know, when they get in the Millennium Falcon, right? And they go into light speed, and all of a sudden it's like, whew, like we're not in Kansas anymore. Right. right. Yeah. There's yeah. a whole other experience going on here. Yeah. So, you know, so, so for my daughter, who's 18 and a half, right, for her, you know, getting in the car and driving across the country with me, not, you know, that she's done that before. You know, mm-hmm. we've done things like that before. But to get on a plane and head to Europe on her own, on her own dime, right? This is everything yeah. that I've built her up to do to be able to, you know, be an adult in a way that I most definitely was not at her age, mm-hmm. right? Right, And be able to be a free person and make her own choices. That was crossing a threshold, you know, getting on that plane and, and going across the Atlantic. She's in a totally, you know, different reality now. And she's contending with all of the trials, you know, there's allies, there's trials. And eventually, we work our way down to the six o'clock position, which is, you know, approaching the cave and then think of the Lord of the Rings. You actually go in mm-hmm. and there's all that gold and there's the dragon, right? There's smog, right? right? And yeah. It's like there's the treasure. Yep. And so the hero goes in and has to face that dragon. Luke has to face Darth Vader, right? We have yep. to face our darkness. We have to face our shadow, which is what we hide, repress, and deny. Mm-hmm. And we've all got this. And that's a key part of what I do with purpose mapping is I help people actually get in and in a very gentle way come to face what we've hidden, repressed, and denied because that's where our power is. Right. Right. That's where we're hiding our gold. Right? And when we can get that gold and we liberate that energy, attention, and power, then we can bring that back and use that to make the contribution that we really feel inspired to make, but we don't have clarity on what it is because the schooling system isn't trying to bring that out of us. Right. Right? 
quite the opposite. So the schooling system is the ordinary world, right? And how right. do we sort of break out of that? Well, we got to get off the beaten path and it's a scary thing, you know? And so there are times in our lives where, you know, opportunity comes knocking and it's generally like, what? but I got a house payment. I got kids. I got, you know, my, my safe, secure job, like seems really good. Mm -hmm. And then you always hear the stories of the people that went for it. And it's like, man, how do I be like them? Right. It's not a joy ride. Yeah. Mm -mm, not, definitely not, not a pleasant. <laughs> yeah. So I'm always curious about, you know, kind of emerging myself into things like purpose mapping. Yeah. Let's say I've already done one purpose mapping kind of exercise. When do you think a good point would be to do the next one? Like kind of what, when the next Phoenix is reemerging? Have you seen any patterns or similarities for it's about that time again? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 generally quite evident. You know, there's generally a sense of, I can't go on like this. This can't continue, right? I can't keep doing what I'm doing. Something right. has to change, right? And whether that's a feeling of being stuck or being, you know, running on a hamster wheel, um, lost in the fog, you know, these are the types of metaphors people are generally showing up with and they describe. And, you know, I have one, she's a dear friend as well, but, you know, she's done purpose mapping twice with me. And, and I've watched her absolutely transform one from, you know, being a single mother into a whole world of being, you know, the, the, she was of the seven years that she was uh, a lawyer. She was like six of those years. She was the number one, right. Rated by right. the, you know, the local yellow book or whatever. And, uh, and then she got to the point where she realized again, you know, we talk about Maslow, you know, you've got the, you know, after the relationship level, there's the ego achievement level, right. And she had achieved, it's like, okay, I've, I've accomplished this. Like how many more years do you need to be number one before it's kind of like, okay, what else you got? Right? right. And so then there's that self-actualization piece. And I think most people are driving and they don't realize there's a fifth year. Right. And it's like, how do I actually pump this thing? But then there's sometimes when you, when you have to stop and you have to get into a different vehicle. And that's where things really become, I think, hairy. You know, she mm. there, there was, a, you know, she ended up getting divorced. She decided that she wanted to do something else besides lawyering. And that's good money. So, like, how is she going to transition? And yep. she's got staff and, you know, just the whole thing. And what she's doing now, I'm not going to talk about it because that's her story, but I'm astounded by what she has grown into. It is, yeah. there's nothing linear about <laughs> the direction that she's gone and the way that she's embodying this next incarnation is really remarkable. So, so it, you know, there, there are very clear markers and, and for most people listening to this, unless they have that internal sense of like, yeah, I'm just going to keep reinventing myself, um, probably can relate to yeah, it's getting a little old. I'm yep. ready for more. And it's not just an incremental step up the ladder. I'm ready to leap. I'm ready to take, you know, a flying leap into the void and see what I transform into. Right. I don't necessarily <clears throat> recommend it, though. Mm -hmm. If you've got kids, your kids are your purpose. Right. Right. You've got right. a limited amount of time. We're going to live <laughs> to be 100. Right. 20 years of your life is a blip. Mm -hmm. <laughs> be there yeah right like it's you know there's there's gotta be uh, a willingness to surrender and i you know i i struggled with it certainly but you know to the degree that i was present i have an amazing daughter an amazing relationship with her mm -hmm. so i think there are periods where it's more uh, you know opportune to make that leap right and uh, and i think there are ways that you know, there's, uh, you know, the, the metaphor I like to use is, you know, most people's life is like a block of wax and it's kind of gotten hardened and congealed and the wick has fallen to the bottom somehow. 
And so they come at it with a, an ice pick and, they, you know, crack it open and they pull the wick out. And it's like, okay, it's all kind of jam. This is your flow state is the wick, right? Mm-hmm. And they push it back in and they light it. And it's just nothing quite works about it. What I like to do is gently melt down that wax, right, through a process. Kind of like a caterpillar goes into the cocoon and it turns mm-hmm. into snot, right? Right. And the imaginal cells, how, that's what they're, they're called. The, the, they contain the image of the architectural blueprint for the butterfly. They've always been there mm-hmm. in the caterpillar. But they've been expunged like a pathogen by the caterpillarness. I was a philosophy major, so we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I was a philosophy <laughs> major too. Actually. Right on, man. Yeah. So, so once the caterpillarness has has reached a point that I call maximal dissolution, right? It really can't break down anymore. Those imaginal cells fire up and they take over and they quickly reconstruct the the ooze into the butterfly. Right, so the, the caterpillar doesn't just go into the cocoon and strap on wings and come out. Like it right. transforms. Right, the human heart contains imaginal cells. So if we can gently, you know, create a container, which is what the purpose mapping journey is. That's why I use the hero's journey. It's like there's a beginning, there's an end. You're gonna mm-hmm. hit this point where you're facing your dragon, but I'm not gonna leave you there. Right, I'm right. the mentor. I'm the guide. I'm gonna get you through this. We're gonna get through this. Right. right, and there's a pretty predictable point. It's funny. I did a group program years ago. It's like at that point, everybody showed up to the group call in tears. <laughs> right, it was mm. like so consistent. There's this point where everybody's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know which way's up. And it's like, great. Just sit put for a week, right? Yeah. Let, let this, you know, and then these things kick in, and 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 so that's like you know melting down the wax. We pull out the wick and you know make it nice and straight, and then through running experiments, right? We dip just like in, you know the old time when you would make you know candles out of beeswax, and yep. you dip and you see and you dip and you see, and you iterate from there, and so. It's possible to, to completely transform your life without jamming the ice pick in and breaking it open and getting the divorce and, you know, moving on right. all those horrendous things that are so traumatizing mm-hmm. to ourselves and to our families. I think that there's a way to do it much more gently with the right support. So that's really what I've created. And then it's all about integration. It's like, okay, how do you bring this gift back and start to make a, a consistent contribution Mm-hmm. from this flow state right and that's the key insight of purpose mapping is build your contribution system around your flow state around your purpose man there's so many things to unpack there yeah uh you you kind of answer one of my questions that i was going to ask is you know you have you know philosophy is like will smith's you know the fastest road to mediocrity is being realistic right but then on the other end you look at books like deep work and uh being so good they can't ignore you they're more you know you know, you are where you are. You have certain talents, like rely on those talents and your your experience. But they don't necessarily always like overlap in some ways because some people find that, oh, you know, I got to follow my passion. And like, let's say somebody, oh, I found I found my purpose is to make people laugh, but they're not funny. Like, so how do you <laughs> how, how do you sort of like map being realistic? Because I think there's some ways you need to be realistic, especially if you have kids and stuff like that and other responsibilities with you know, following your passion? Is there room for both? I think so. And the way I look at it is, you know, if you can take one step a day, right? Even if you've got 100 things you've got to do for your cybersecurity gig, right? But you realize, you know, making people laugh is what lights me up, right? right? So I'm going to write one joke today. You know, or I'm going to take five minutes and I'm going to I'm going to rehearse this joke in the mirror. I'm going to tell it to my wife. I'm going to tell it to, you know, my buddy. Mm -hmm. Right. And you do one tiny thing every day like that. Right. 
eventually that's going to start to expand, right? Because the reticular activating system is going to start looking for things that are funny and yeah, what right. I do that was funny and get yep. a little bit of feedback, right? So a friend of mine used to say, and I don't know where this comes from, but it's you know it's probably a military thing, but bullets before cannonballs, right? It's like let's let's get it on target first before we bring out the big artillery. Let's just mm -hmm. make sure we're even like shooting in the right direction and able to hit the target from where we're standing. And so you build that up, and again, it's this it's this you know, this exponential curve, mm -hmm. you know, and it seems like nothing's going. I actually have one client, this is a great example. He, you know, he was doing improv. He was doing, you know, this sort of stuff. And he realized, you know, he wanted to have a podcast, right? He wanted mm -hmm. to talk, he was in DC, he wanted to talk about political stuff. And he just wasn't, he wasn't able to go from here to here. And so I said, look, man, get, you know, just start making little videos on Instagram little tiny ones and then every one of them you know i have this thing i call it the compass in purpose mapping you know zero to 100 you know how's it working right what's going well about it always start with what's working right mm -hmm. it's like right. It's, it's a 27 out of 100 wow that's pretty low fine but it's anything over a zero you're breathing and you can do the rest of the process right right what's working boom a little bit of dopamine right mm -hmm. and then from that slightly elevated place what would get you to 100 now i've seen possibilities versus you know i'm just crashing into the you know ground over and over it's like <laughs> right. you know, there's a little bit of lift and then i can go from here so every little iteration and so i'm watching him on this instagram channel that he's you know, created and he's been at it for i don't know we've been doing this for a year year and a half now and it's like it's astonishing and there are definite like you know points inflection points where things right. get noticeably better but mm -hmm. in the beginning it doesn't seem like anything's happening and you just have to have the discipline to say i want to be funny yeah i don't know how that's gonna go right but if i can do one tiny thing a day this is how your life can slowly start to go like this yeah I think starting just like that, the small incremental steps is the most important. I know when we first started the podcast, we had so many ideas like, all right, <laughs> how do we get, you know, all of these guests on tomorrow? Right. Yeah. But Where's Joe Rogan? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely more of a progress and a journey. And I think that's part of the, the whole part of being a hero and having a hero's journey is, you know, one, having the experience and loving and going through and sitting with that experience each step of the way. Yeah. <clears throat> One thing I wanted to, to talk about, and we've talked about this when we first started talking, is our kids. You've obviously done your job with your daughter, right? And I have three daughters. I'm definitely not at your stage right now. You know, my oldest is 11. But how do you create these environments that you not only are able to, to get in the flow, you know, you know your purpose, you're able to, to keep moving up that ladder, but you can cultivate your kids as well. How do you how do you balance yourself with your kids and how do you optimize the environment for your kids? Yeah, that's a great question, which actually goes back to the Montessori thing. One of her things is the prepared environment. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, if you prepare an environment where your where your child is safe, right, as a father, that's what we have to do. We have to secure the perimeter. Yep. Right. So you prepare the environment, make sure that the child's going to be safe. And then there's a, you know, you follow the child. You basically look. So for my daughter, it was always horses, always horses. And for, you know, girls, like that's pretty typical. But for her, she was like, I love mucking stalls. Mm -hmm. I'll do anything to be around <laughs> horses. I was like, okay, you know. <laughs> and so her mother, uh, to her credit, she spent two years looking for the right riding mentor. So to me, those are the three things, right? The prepared environment, the mentor, and then letting, letting the child demonstrate this is where i'm finding my interest my flow right because mm -hmm. kids will they'll they'll go right to it if you let them 
Right. It's school that's like, no, pay attention. No, pay attention. The kid's looking out the window because they want to be outside climbing a tree. I'd rather take the child outside and see how they climb a tree, right? Right. And then within that, I'm very encouraging of mistakes, right? Because, like, I can't learn for my daughter. I've learned my own stuff, but she's got to learn it herself. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, I just, man, I've fucked up so many. I've, I've fucked up everything. I mean, that's and that's part of what I've learned through a lot of these personality profiles is I'm the guy that has to fuck everything up to find kind of like Thomas Edison. Right. It's like, you know, I've tried a thousand ways to make a light bulb. Mm -hmm. Right. But I got it. Yeah. Now I've got it. And so with her, I was always really clear. It's like, look, everybody gets one. Don't fuck it up again if -hmm. you can avoid it. Right. Right. But there's no problem here. And then my next question is always so cool. So what'd you learn? Mm-hmm. Right. And that would put her, you know, at ease a little bit. And then her you know, brain would relax and she could say, oh, you know, I learned this. And she would just get in the habit of realizing like, OK, if I find something that I learned from this, there's no heat. Right. Right. And that becomes her modus operandi. And so that I think if I was to boil it down to one thing that you guys could take away from this prepare the environment so that you know she's safe mm-hmm. right as a friend of mine would say we, had, we were out at some, i don't know where we were some party and there was this guy had a big converted school bus and all of a sudden all the kids are on top of the school bus right. and all the mothers are you know and, and the dads are sitting back my friend's like not likely to be fatal and i was like true right so let them find their edge because you know again back to the flow research there's got to be an element of risk you know Maybe not a squirrel suit, but, you know, falling off a school bus, maybe you break your arm, but, man, you'll never make that mistake again. Right. Right? Yeah. It's huge. I think the cool thing about it is that it it applies to kids, but I think it also applies to cybersecurity professionals. So if you, like, want to learn how to do uh, red teaming, for instance, if you have, not only do you have a space where you can do it safely, you're not going to, like, go to prison because you accidentally hack somebody's, you know, you know, paywall or something like that. But then you also don't want to mess up your stuff on your internal network. You actually have a safe place to do that. And you have a mentor to kind of help guide you. I think that's like one of the fastest ways to get good at anything. And I think the leading questions that you were just asking, like, what did you learn? Yeah. Like just going through the rehearsal, like, all right, let me go back and relax and figure out what I learned and then describe it a little bit. It's almost like a relearning process. So I think if you have especially that that person in your corner that's asking and creating that environment for you, maybe it's the mentor doing all in one. But right. I, I've noticed, especially for me in the same situation, when I'm being uh, kind of questioned or quizzed in a way, it's a lot easier to retain that information long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'm gonna start asking like, "What did you learn?" Like to everybody. <laughs> yeah. I think my wife's gonna get mad though. She's like, "Like, oh, this happened at work today, and it made me so mad." What did you learn? You yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how well that's gonna go with your wife. Maybe, maybe not in that tone. <laughs> no. Yeah, for sure. For sure. No, just joking, baby. <laughs> <laughs> what did you learn? <laughs> yeah, you know the other thing we would do too, and this was actually a big learning for me. Was, you know, I would drive her, you know, and she's, and she's 14 and she's, you know, starting to get hormonal and it's, you know, it was pretty clear. Like I was like, oh, so you're a woman now. And she's like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I would ask her, you know, we would just do zero to 10 because it was a smaller, smaller scale, right? Zero to 10, where are you at? You know, seven. Okay. And then she'd come back from the writing lesson. Mm -hmm. Zero to 10. Eight. Huh. What changed? 
what made the difference, right? What, and so asking, you know, and again, this is the compass and purpose mapping, but just to ask your kids, you know, what, where are you at right now? Just, right. You, know, you know, I don't, they don't have to describe their interior, you know, I'm sad, you know, I feel a little bit anxious about this. And like, I'm a four. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. Well, what's going well? Well, I'm with you, you know, we're out walking the dog with the thunder vest on, right? Right. Okay, what would be even better if I didn't have to go to school tomorrow? Ah, so mm. you're four because there's something at school that you're a little concerned about, right? Right, right. And start modeling their, their reality back to them in language so that they can start to get access to it. And from that place, you can help them. You know, my daughter's in, in Lisbon right now, and she's having a bit of wow. a homesick crisis, right? And she's jumping $100,000 thoroughbreds, mucking stalls for room and board, you know? She's, like, on her own. <laughs> right. We, we talk, you know, and she's like, she's like, you know, I realize that been avoiding discomfort for the past few years and you know, I could just fly home but I think I'd rather stick this out and face it I'm like oh. wow <laughs> so <good>. proud at <laughs> 18 like and a single right? tear I know back. right I'm like okay and she's like but like this you know like it really sucks sometimes like what can I do and I'm like remember the training you know zero to ten what's working right what would get you to a ten it's like ah oh. Okay, next thing I know, she's like off, like in the city, like with a, you know, a friend of a friend. And she's like, oh, this was great. And got an invitation to Thanksgiving, so I'm not going to be, you know. And mm-hmm. she's starting to find her way through the world. But it's like that little compass thing is like, oh, how do I move towards just feeling slightly better? And again, right? Right. You get that exponential curve there. So, so those, those are the things that I used with my daughter that I think can be installed right through repetition over the formative years right. that they'll take with them for the rest of their life an orientation that mistakes are welcome you know this is how i grow and i'm in control of you know the next step i take and i can make slight improvements that will you know rapidly pick up momentum and take me to a place that feels much better right that's awesome Craig, thank you so much for, you know, taking the time sitting with us, you know, and talking. Uh, this has been awesome. A lot of nuggets for people to take away. Uh, if you want to leave everybody with like one final nugget, you know, one thing to, you know, push their themselves to the next level, whether it's in their career or their life in general. And then also, how do people get in touch with you? How do people, you know, track, you know, the stuff that you're doing, purpose mapping, all that stuff? Yeah, right on. Yeah, I would say... Let's do it right now. So ground yourself, get your feet on the ground, whatever you're doing, wherever you're listening to this, just take, literally, we're going to take 20 seconds and I'm going to close my eyes, take a deep breath and ask yourself, zero to 100, where are you at right now? And the answer is going to float up from in your belly area. It's not going to come from your mind. So whatever number just popped up, you can just, you can jot that down or just note it to yourself. So I'm an, I'm an 87. What's going well? Think of one, two, maybe three things and notice like, oh, I feel a slight right, injection of dopamine in my brain. I feel a little better thinking about what's going well. That's amazing. And from here, what would get you to 100? Right? And the idea is not to live at 100, but to spike that, right? We want to live around 83 plus or minus nine. That's sort of like Costa Rica weather. You know, that's the <laughs> band we're aiming for, but you want to spike up to 100 you know, if you can once, maybe twice a day would be optimal. And that's what gets that dopamine in your brain, right? So that that compass right there is the thing I'd love to leave people with. You can do this at any point, right? Just take a moment, check in, boom. I'm, you know, I'm a 67, I'm a 97, I'm a 27, whatever. What's going well? 
cool. Yeah, things yeah. Are, things are good, right? Okay, what would get me to 100? Okay, got it. I can take action on that, right? I yeah. can take a tiny step. That's the thing I'd like to leave people with. So, wow. Yeah, if you guys are, uh, if, you, if you try it, write me, Craig at PurposeMapping.com, and you can go to PurposeMapping.com. There's a 30-minute video that will walk you through, you know, the sort of the, the nuts and bolts of Purpose Mapping. And, you know, if this is a conversation that you guys would like to continue, you can book a call on my calendar, and I'd love to meet you. Great. Such a pleasure. Thanks again for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And we'll see everybody next time.